0: The world is a new place and we're all making adjustments. It moves faster and changes direction more frequently than ever before. People feel stuck, unfulfilled, and lost in their lives. I hear this all too often. Where are the answers? Someone please just give me the answers. Well, what if I told you the answers are finally here? My name is Scott McDonald and I was once just like you. Join me on my process of personal development, pathway of success, and pursuit of happiness. For you see, my job isn't just to ask questions. My job isn't to just listen. My job is to ensure what happened to me does not happen to you. This is the Real Experience Student and Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McNald. Today, I'm joined by Haley Williams. Haley is a professional hockey player currently playing in the Russian Women's Hockey League. A uh, Former uh, Buffalo Butte, played in the CWHL with the Brampton Thunder, has an extensive uh, collegiate career that we're going to get into later. But here we are with you, Haley. It's about time. It's been taking forever. And I'm finally excited to be able to meet you face to face, even though it's via through Zoom. But here we are. We did it. We made it to our first episode together.
1: I know we've been trying to do this for a few months now and I'm glad
0: that um we could be here and thanks for having me. Yeah it's a pleasure it's uh I'm really happy to be here because watching you on your social media you've still been in contact with the world in a lot of different cool ways and you're keeping your training up you're helping uh, people back home online with some virtual stuff so uh, tell us what's going on uh during your uh your post-professional season on lockdown right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah so I'm still in Russia um Uh, we were still training for a while at the end. We, um, after the season ends in Russia, they like to train until the end of our contract with it, which is April 30th. And so, well, if we weren't on lockdown right now, we'd, we'd probably still be training, but we actually had to end early, but we ended just in time for them to cancel all flights back home to America. So (laughs) I wasn't able to leave, um, but that's okay. I'm, um, I moved from St. Petersburg to Nizhny Novgorod, Russia, where I've been taken in by one of my friends' families. very nice. I'm really thankful for it. Um, and they have a gym in their basement. So that's a huge plus. Uh, so I'm able to keep up with my off-season training. And I thought, well, this summer I have two camps for girls in Buffalo and in um, Toronto, but I don't know if they're going to happen. We're waiting to see. But I thought, how can I Continue my passion while I'm in this situation, while we're all in this situation, and I see people um, posting on advice. How can I how can I work out properly? How can I uh, progress my skills? Everybody's wondering. No, there's a lot of people that are wondering um, what to do in this time, and I thought, well, I can help. You know, that's my passion. I love coaching. I love hockey. So how can I do that? And I see all these people having these zoom meetings with their families and zoom trivia night and all this stuff. And I never heard of zoom before. And then I thought, well, I can check out zoom and see if I can do some hockey training. And, um, last week I had my first week of, we trained every single day for an hour at 12 Eastern. And, um, it was a good group. I had about 15 girls. Not everybody was able to be live on there, but, um, the ones that weren't able to be live, I sent the recording after every day, every session, so they were able to follow along. back, and so we do another week of it this week, um, so staying busy for sure. Um, the only thing that's changed really is not being being able to get on the ice, and you know, have that face-to-face interaction with the feedback as they approach. Um Watch the girls in the small box on there and I can give feedback, um, like that. And I say girls, but I do have a couple boys joining me next week. So I'm going to stop saying girls because I don't want to make it, you know, separate, but we're going to have girls and boys next week. So yeah.
0: Perfect. It's awesome for everyone. And it's an interesting time. Everyone's coming back and and learning how to reconnect in different ways. Instead of just being on our, uh, using our technology just to hit like subscribe or play, you know, it's now to actually interact with each other again. So what this stuff was actually meant for now, we're actually using it for. So it's really cool. Uh, what's some of the stuff you've been focusing on with your virtual uh, programs for your athletes back home?
1: Yeah, so we've been focusing on both um, hockey specific fitness and skills. So each session has, well, right now, it's, it's still April. So it's early in the off season. So right now, a lot of our uh, focus is um, structure, um, balancing out our body. So during uh, during the in-season, we have a lot of, you know, hockey's a unilateral sport, You know, so I'm a right-handed player. So as I shoot the puck, I'm pushing with my right hand and I'm pulling with my left hand, my left arm. So right is pushing, left is pulling. So this is going to cause a really big imbalance in our body. So same with um, how we stop and start on the ice. Our body subconsciously, our, um, somebody has a, stronger side that they like to stop on. Maybe I stop, you know, stop and start on my left more than my right. I don't know how to explain over the <laughs> over the computer, but um, same thing. It, it causes a lot of imbalances in our body. We get really tight hips. We get really tight, sh- tight shoulders, tight ankles. So we're working on all of this. We're working on mobility. We're working on uh, one-legged things, one-arm things, so that we can really uh, balance back out our bodies. That's a big, component in the fitness, in the hockey-specific fitness component. And then we're working on stick skills. So um, I'm working with a two and a half meter by two, two and a half by two meter square of linoleum. So I don't have much room. So the stick skills that we have are, they're very small space um, stick skills. So we'll go from, you know, more basic to a little bit more complex throughout the week. And no, it's really fun. It's fun. And I have the girls send me Um, the players, I have the players send me videos, uh, challenge videos, either uh, or they're either, um, you know, having a challenge. How many can you do in 30 seconds? Or today, can you send me a creative video? I just want to see what you guys come up with and send me a video, and I want to see your creativity, and I want to just see how you have fun with it. So it's really fun. It is interactive in that sense, and then at the end of the session, we get on the chat for a couple minutes and say, how are you feeling? What are you guys going to do the rest of the day? What are you going to do this weekend? That type of thing, so... It's nice.
0: That's awesome. No, that's to me. I'm just thinking how uplifting that must be for all the athletes too, because they have, you know, they're able to work on their sport in some sort of way. And as you and I both know at that, at those younger ages, you want to play, you know, the game you love so bad, but then when you're restricted to not, you're like, okay, well, what's the answer? What do I do? And now they're, you know, as you teach this this to them, they'll know how to do it themselves when they don't have you around for the rest of the week, which I think is fantastic stuff. Uh, Are you doing this um, just through zoom or are you doing it through Instagram TV? How can, you know, more uh, hockey players find you uh, to join in on your sessions?
1: Yeah. Well, the sessions are through zoom live and then the recording, if you're not able to make it live. So then I'll just send it out through an email.
0: Awesome. Perfect.
1: Um, yeah. So it's an hour long and if they have school during that time period, then you know thirty minutes on their own time before the next day. And the girls that were the players that were um doing it on their own that weren't able to make the next day I, I announced the winner of the challenge. You know, so there's still that competitive edge for hockey players too.
0: Fantastic. I love it. Now let's talk more about you. Let's go back to uh, you know, your upbringing in the world of hockey, you know, you're from Illinois uh, where I believe you played the, the, up, uh, the higher level of the team in Illinois there. And we had chatted briefly about that saying about what a great experience that was for you, but let's go back to uh, your, your playing history from uh, your minor hockey days to your collegiate career all the way into pro let's go for the whole shebang.
1: Okay. Well, well I've been playing hockey already for 26 years. So <laughs> I'll sum it up as quick. That's a good as
0: well. career. We we got we got time. <laughs> we can do a, a mini part a mini series on you. Do parts one through ten.
1: <laughs> no, it is it is a story in itself. That's for sure. Um, but I started skating when I was two. Um, I don't remember beginning to skate. I don't remember learning. Uh, my parents just decided that myself and my brother they put us into different sports and see what we like, which is awesome. I'm really thankful for that because obviously at that age I don't have any idea what's going on. And they just, you know, oh, let's go try this. Let's go try this. And they're giving us these opportunities, which is just, you know, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without them. But um, my brother's a year older than me. So we both started skating. I was two, he was three. The next year he wanted to play hockey. Um, and so I watched him play. And then it was just, you know, the rest was history, that type of thing. Because I just watched him play and I just fell in love right away. Um, started playing when I was four played in house league until i was nine um with the boys and i always had a blue helmet my dad let us pick out our helmet and i had a blue helmet so everybody's like and i didn't wear my hair up in my helmet so (laughs) my (laughs) hair (laughs) was (laughs) going through the back all the pictures are embarrassing but it's okay i was young um but you know they so i was very i stuck out because everybody has like black or white helmet and then there's the girl with the hair and the blue helmet like
0: stop that girl, you know? <laughs> <laughs> some of them might have been thinking if they didn't realize it was a girl right away. Well, that boy's got a great mullet because it's the 90s, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then when I was
1: nine, I moved to girls hockey and that's when I started playing AAA for Team Illinois.
0: Fantastic. And uh, who? Uh, Team Illinois, the young Americans, the right mission.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, sorry about that. C- continue.
1: No, go ahead. What was the
0: question? Oh, I was going to say, you know, uh, Team Illinois, uh, the Mission, the Young Americans, you know, the three main clubs that are in Illinois. Um, so what made you choose Team Illinois at the time? What, what, what was the, the way the program was ran? Uh, convenience close to home? What, what was uh, to make that decision?
1: Yeah, so, well, my parents live in the south suburbs of Chicago on the border of Indiana. So no, uh, no club um, for distance was convenient. So either way we're driving an hour at least wherever the practices were held. So that wasn't really a factor for anything. But um, at that time, Team Illinois was really the most um, exclusive club. So in and, and CYA, the Chicago Young Americans. There was kind of like a, a battle between the two. And so, you know, I went and played for TI. It just happened that way. Went to tryouts, liked it, and continued my career through through the majority of my career with Team Illinois. And then um, the mission had actually dropped their girls program for a while. I can't really tell you the exact timeline. I don't really remember exactly the years, but they didn't have a girls program for a while. And then they wanted to, um, they wanted to reopen the girls program and they asked Tony catchy, who was, he was, he was like our, like all of the girls best coach mentor person everybody loved to play for him. And so they asked him to go run the girls program in the mission. So this was my last year of, no, it was my senior year of high school. So I actually made the jump to over to the mission. Like a lot of us did from team Illinois, because Tony went there. That was really the sole reason he went there. We wanted to go. And so he was um, my coach the last year. We went to the national championship. We got into the final with little Caesars uh, and we actually ended up winning in triple overtime and I scored the winning goal. So that was fun. That was kind of a, one of the highlights of my career. Um, on that team, there was Megan Bozek, Kendall Coyne and other, you know, uh, girls that went and played D1. Uh, it was a really good team, really, really competitive, really fun year. So a good way to end my youth hockey career winning the national championship, scoring the winning goal in triple overtime. So
0: that's like, you know, living the mighty ducks lifestyle right there. You know, it's like a storybook almost.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was um, yeah. Good memories for sure. Good memories.
0: Absolutely. So, uh yeah. let's let's move forward now. The uh the minor hockey career is done. Uh you know, you got some uh, years uh playing in a, at the collegiate level. Let's walk through there. Uh how what was that process like for you? Um what was your experience, you know, and uh uh, just kind of give us a bit of an overview of your experience so that our younger listeners um, have an idea of you know what to what to look for when uh, going into the that level of hockey in school
1: yeah. so this is where my story gets pretty interesting because uh, well if i if I take it back a few years during my youth hockey during my high school career, my middle school career. Um, I never really valued the importance of education and that was my fault. And I don't really know why I just wanted to play hockey. I wanted to play, have fun with my friends, you know, play sports. I played three sports through high school, three varsity sports. Well, in Illinois, triple a club hockey. That's better than high school there. So I played triple a hockey and I played high school basketball as well as AAU basketball, travel basketball. I played high school softball as well as travel softball. So I, I, Pretty much, my life was dedicated to sports. I put school on the back burner. That's just me admitting it to the world right now. This is my fault. Uh, but I had a lot of, I had a lot of schools recruiting me. A lot of D1 schools, a lot of um, Ivy League schools for hockey. But then it just turns out that I couldn't get in because of my grades. So I ended up going to Bemidji State University, which is a D1 school, NCAA D1 school. So I still was able to achieve my dream of you know, getting a scholarship to play NCAA D1, and uh, my freshman year of college, I actually had to redshirt, which was. Now this part was not even in my control because there was I had a science credit that I had to redo. It was like the wrong credit that I needed for um, the clearinghouse, so I ended up redoing it, and on my on my high school diploma. My graduation date was July fourteenth, two thousand eight, and I didn't know this, and nobody really knew this. So I don't. It wasn't even thought of. I go play. Um, <clears throat> we go on our first away to ter- away series against Ohio State, and we're in Ohio State. We're about to. You know, we just got done with maybe morning practice or something, and then our coach. Sees me and and he says, well, you didn't pass Clearinghouse and it was because your graduation date was July 14th and the deadline was June 30th. So because on my diploma said July 14th, I had to redshirt my uh, freshman year of college and um, they appealed it once and d- got denied. I think they did another appeal and it got denied. So in this instance, you're not allowed to even practice with the team. You're not allowed to be officially associated with the team.
0: Wow. So So
1: now a freshman. I just basically got the worst news of my life, but my NCAA time clock already started ticking because I started practicing with them. So it wasn't like I could be like, okay, well, it's only October. Maybe I can go play one more year of 19 and under hockey, you know, because you can play that extra year, have a post-grad year even, uh, in some community college or something, and then – maybe, you know, even better, something better will happen. But I couldn't because of my NCAA clock started because of I started practicing with the team when no, nobody knew about this clearinghouse. Um, so I ended up being just like a normal college student without, you know, that type of uh team mm, structure, uh, something keeping me on track. And like I said, I didn't value education then. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that because now I'm like, this huge nerd and I like love learning I love science I love learning about exercise science and how we can really um, make our body better as hockey players you know and uh, you know it was just that was something about my life and um, <clears throat> so I didn't do I didn't do well in my freshman year of college um, academically okay so then my sophomore year of college I was already ineligible for my first semester this is my NCAA D1 hockey career for you right now. Yeah. So, um, so I played my second semester and, you know, I played and just didn't work out. I just, I was not going to class. I just wasn't, it just didn't work. It didn't work. So I stopped playing hockey and I didn't play hockey for three years and I didn't think I was ever going to play hockey again. And that was in 2010. So, now it's 2020, so that's 10 years ago, and I didn't think I was ever gonna play hockey again, and I, I moved home to Chicago. I actually played softball at Bemidji too, D2 softball, so that was you know kind of a plus, so I was able to play. I just played, better, uh, played softball one year too, so um, that was the following year after I stopped playing hockey, and then I moved back to Chicago, and I was volunteering at um, a Chicago Steel game, one day it was that's USHL, junior boys. And um I was like stamping tickets for people to get in just because I wanted to go to the rink, you know. And I saw somebody I used to play with, and I'm already at this point, this was 2012. So I was already twenty two years old, and I saw this girl, she's my age, and I'm like, How is she? I saw that she was with a team, like they were getting ready for a game. And I'm like, How is she playing? I don't understand. So I went and talked to her, I'm like, How are you playing hockey? She's like, oh, I played for Robert Morris of Chicago, which is in the ACHA. And I'm like, what do you mean? Aren't you too old? How how are you playing? And she's like, no, I'm not too old. You're not too old. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Because <laughs> my uh, NCAA time clock – so you have five years as the NCAA clock starts until it ends. So it doesn't matter if you play five years. Just It starts and it continues until five years, and then you're done. It, at least that's how it was when I – played. I don't know if they've changed it. I don't think they have, but um, I'm like, well, can I play? She's like, well, come with me. So I went to the coach's office at the edge in Bensonville. And I'm like, I introduced myself. I'm expressed my interest in, in playing for them and tell them, you know, I haven't played in two years. (laughs) And they're like, well, this season's already started, so you can't play this season. But we're going to, you know, if you're interested, you can come skate with us and we'll see how you skate. And uh, then next season, if anything, you can come play for us. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and so then I go, um, you know, the next week or something I'm, for their practice, I go out on their practice and I feel like Bambi, that's how I feel. Like I, like I'm just learning to skate again. Cause I hadn't played, you know, in this long. And they're like, after the, after the practice, they're like, Uh, It doesn't look like you haven't skated in two years, (laughs) you know, you haven't missed a beat. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I feel like that, but I guess I have a year to train and, um, you know, get ready to play again. So I actually, I'm just going to add a little side note. I actually was fortunate because after I stopped playing hockey, I got my personal trainer certification and I became a personal trainer for those three years that I wasn't playing. So it was actually really awesome because I never really, Knew about, um, I guess, lifting about fitness in high school. Through high school, the first experience that I had was when I went to Bemidji, Is when we started lifting and doing off ice workouts as a team. And I think you know nowadays kids in high school and kids even younger are they understand that off ice workouts it is really important. It's a really important aspect of the game. But when I was in when I was younger, I didn't I didn't know that you know. But I was always active. I was playing multiple sports. So I think. That helped me with my strength my conditioning and everything but when I actually started learning about strength and conditioning and everything like that I able I was able to um, personally begin you know to apply these principles and these methods of training into my own training and not thinking that I was going to be a hockey player again just because you know I had a passion for it but I think that because I was so consistent in those three years of training was what really when I started playing hockey again and I know it's not NCAA D1 it's ACHA but after all those years of playing you know it's you you could either be really be Bambi or you could you know show show your worth and I think when I started playing again for Robert Morris I only played there for one year because I didn't know about the ACHA and it just happened to be in Chicago so I was like oh well this team is close to home and I'll go to school I need to finish my degree and started you know my exercise science degree again there <laughs> and this time I actually realized you know you have to, you have to go to class and you have to do well and and I went and i I excelled and I excelled academically I excelled um, athletically I also played softball there too but I actually was um, named the well it's called the Zoe Harris award which is like the most valuable player of the league for no, for the whole for the ACHA. So my first year back after I hadn't played hockey for three years, I was the MVP of the league, which was great, you know, confidence booster. I excelled um, academically, so I made the dean's list during that year. My grades were great; I had pretty much all A's. Um, and this was just me growing up, you know, just realizing what's important. And so after that, I. I still had two more years of eligibility in the ACHA and I was pretty much done with my degree exercise science. And with that science part, I've always wanted to be a veterinarian, to be honest. So this is just another side thing, but I never applied myself. And at this point I realized, wow, like I, you know, I have the motivation to apply myself academically. And so I want to go somewhere where I can do um, pre-vet So those, the pre-vet sciences. So I found Miami University, which uh, was also a school and a really good team in the ACHA. I think they had won the national championship the year before, yep. They had just won the national championship. So I reached out to them. I was able to transfer over there because I thought I was gonna play my last two years of ACHA at Miami while finishing a pre-vet degree and then continue on to go to vet school because There was no professional hockey at that point too. This was I transferred. I played a year there, Um, and then the and then I was also again named the Zoe Harris Award winner, so the MVP of the ACHA for the second year, and then the NWHL started the next season, and I had ended up I posted a video on Instagram. It was just a video of me stick handling on my porch like in Miami outside my apartment I was just stick handling through pucks and they had just announced the NWHL and um so many people oh no at this point I was in Miami this was in March so I was in Miami on vacation because we had just it was spring break that's what it was yeah so now I'm just remembering sorry I'm a little bit off on the timeline right now uh so spring break they just announced the NWHL, this new professional league for women that's going to be pl- paying its players. And all these people sent me this link. My mom, my friends, my aunt. I was like, Haley, look, Haley, look. And I'm like, oh, wow. And, and I do want to tell you that this was in 2015, in March of 2015. I had never heard of the CWHL, and, which is also really interesting because that league had already been around for however many years. And I just never knew that there was an opportunity after college for women's hockey players at that point. So that's five years ago. And I think it's a very much, um, there's a lot more awareness now that there is opportunity after college. So it's interesting how things evolve, but, uh, yeah. So everybody's like, Haley, look, Haley, look, you need to play in the NWHL. And I'm like, well, I have another year of, uh, ACHA eligibility and I'm, I have another year to finish my degree now. So I'm like, okay. Um. Well, I don't know what to do because I'm not going to leave school again. I'm, I have a year left, and I'm going to finish my degree. That was like my main goal. But I went and talked to my advisor at Miami University, and I said, you know, I have this opportunity. Oh, and I was going to tell you about the video on my Instagram. So I posted this video. I was sticking and the Buffalo Buttes liked it, or maybe yeah, the Buffalo Buttes liked it. So I just wrote on there like, "What's the tryout information for the team?" And I put my email, and then like a hour later the there was information for me to go try out for the team so that's how i got involved just from a video on instagram which is crazy how technology and social media really does give a lot of opportunities and i just it's crazy (laughs) but um so i go try out for buffalo i am offered a spot i also go try out for um the riveters in new york and i was offered a spot there i also tried out for connecticut whale but they didn't offer me a spot so i tried out for three of the four teams the fourth team was Boston. I didn't try out for them. So then I'm like, okay, well, I have two spots in this new professional league, but I'm not going to leave school and not finish school. If I, you know, I'm going to finish school. That was my only thing. I need to finish school. So I go to my advisor at Miami and I say, look, I have this opportunity um, to play professional hockey and this is it. This is the NHL. This is what it is. And she's like, She's like, well, we need you to be able to um, be able to accept this opportunity. She thought it was so cool. Dr. Chase. Yeah, I only knew her for a year because I was only there for a year, but she was so supportive and so awesome. Like if she would have said, no, you need to, you can't go. You have, you know, you have a year left. You're a senior in, in college. You need to stay here and you need to finish your degree, then I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone and played. I would have played my last year at Miami and finished my degree there. But instead, what she did was she reached out to all my professors and she figured out a way that I could do the rest of my classes, my senior year from Buffalo. So I, so these classes weren't online classes, but I just wasn't required to go to class, which was like, first of all, somebody who never cared about um, <laughs> school for like the majority of my life, that's you know a risk to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Buffalo. She, so she made it so that they will send me my assignments every week and I'll just do them. I'll learn on my own and send them back. And, um, wow. Yeah. So that, um, was really awesome for, and I ended up graduating from Miami with a 3.4 as I had, um, started my professional career in Buffalo. I didn't have to go to class, went back to Miami for my graduation, walked and everything. It was great. Um, wow. Yeah. I, you know, I'm really lucky. I'm really, really lucky that that happened, that she, I'm lucky that I found my fr- my old friend from from youth hockey at the Edge in Bensonville started playing in the ACHA. I'm lucky that I had uh, this advisor professor that believed in me so much that she really wanted me to take this opportunity to play professional hockey and finish my degree from abroad and be- and believe in me that I'm going to do it. You know and you know I just feel really really grateful. So that was my college career. I played one semester NCAA D1 and then I played one year ACHA for Robert Morris and then one year Miami University ACHA and then I went and played professional for the Buffalo Buttes. So that was college.
0: Yeah and that's quite the uh, roller coaster ride. So there's there's something that pops into mind when I hear all this. There was two timelines. Yeah two timelines. You got your the start of your career and I wrote down a few things, timing, maturity, support. It seems like your first go, the timing from the get-go was all wrong because of that graduation uh, date. It seems that the time you do, you, school wasn't the objective. It was just to play sports and the support staff around you. Well, you know, when you're just out on your own, it's like, okay, you know, you don't have the team around you now. Those three, three main components are missing your first time around. And then you get this second chance around, and the timing was right. You saw your friend. You're a few years older. You had the right support with you know your advisor there. But let's let's de- uh, go a little deeper into that. The you know everything being the right situation, the right fit. How important is that? from you looking in hindsight now and what you can, the advice you can give to to athletes who are younger to make sure it's the right fit for you and not just to chase the brand because a lot of them do. They think they, I got to chase the brand, the D1 NCAA full ride scholarship, you know, whatever's big and sexy. That's what I got to go for. And they put a lot of stuff to the side. So in your experience, it, it looks like, you know, it's a lot of other things that add up. So, um, talk to me how important it is to have you know those components be that there for you at the right time
1: yeah so not too long ago it was actually really hard for me to tell my story the way that I just told you just straight up blunt you know i realized it was my fault in pro hockey you know it, but it's hard to say like right now we don't know why you're playing midget you know what i mean but maybe this is just exactly what you need
0: you know, and it's interesting too, because I listened to your story and some of the other athletes that we had on here, and it goes back to the same thing. And I think um, you know, younger athletes playing minor sports and parents especially get confused by this. They think that I got to keep chasing the brand. I got to keep chasing the letter, whether I'm a contributor or not. And everyone that I've had on this show, who's a former athlete um, in the last decade, we'll say, has always said the best time of my life that I ever had was when I went back to tier two junior or I went back to, instead of doing the D1, I did D3 and I got my confidence and self-esteem back. I became the go-to like that's where I belonged and I realized that then. And then other opportunities open like having like when you think about it, you know, there are so many athletes that go for the highest level. Like they, they're at, they're at say tier two, we'll do tier one, tier two. So a tier one, they're chasing it. They would rather be on, the last place team being someone who doesn't contribute just to say that they're in tier one, where they came from a really strong team in tier two, they were a contributor and you know, they were getting more recognition. And then when they go and they don't realize that there's more opportunity as you go, go on, you become more of a dominant, a dominator in that world. Um, Spencer Anderson, who I had on here earlier, um, he's actually our, our first full episode that we had uh, for the podcast um, episode two, for first, volume with a guest, and he was saying about he thought USHL, OHL, that's where you have to be. You have to be there, or you're not the cool kid in school. No one's going to want you. The NHL is not going to have a look at you. And he says the best turning point of his life was when he went back to Tier two hockey in Ontario, Canada, and he contributed and he got to play on uh, hockey Canada East for the world championships. He got to represent Canada and in the internationals as well for the tier two level. Um, he said, and he said, you know, when, after I left there, I went back to the, O. I thought it was going to be this great thing. I went to Kitchener hosting Memorial cup, barely got played. They, I was a, I was a power forward who was a playmaker. They wanted to turn me into a fighter and you know, it, it left a sour taste in his mouth and it got away from that. Where here, here's your story. You get to the brand, the big, the, everyone wants that that D1 scholarship. You get there, it doesn't work out. ACHA, you know, clubs, some of those teams have to, you know, fundraise and sometimes they're ran by the players, never mind a full, absolute staff, like, like the stronger programs that you were a part of. And then that translates into you becoming a professional hockey player.
1: Yeah, and not only that, I didn't even, I forgot to even mention this, but I was able to represent the USA two times at the world university games, which is an awesome opportunity for, you know what? I don't know if somebody's in a situation where they're trying to figure out, maybe D one's not gonna work out for them. They're trying to figure out, oh, maybe I'll go D three, or maybe I have an option in the ACHA. Um, the world university games for, for, for hockey, for USA, they only allow that opportunity for players in the ACHA. So I was able to actually go play in Italy and play in the World University Games for Team USA. Go play in Spain for Team USA and win a bronze medal on an international stage, which was, you know, like <laughs> the feeling that you feel. That The World University Games is the second biggest international sporting competition in the world, besides the Olympics, you know, and the ACHA gives that opportunity. So you can take every situation like you, however you want to take it, but there's always going to be a positive that comes out of it comes out of it. If you look at it that way, if you really want it to, if you really want it to be, you can't change your situation sometimes, but you can change what happens next. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it's incredible. I love hearing stories like this, like yours because it validates what I've been trying to tell some of my athletes and their families forever. You know, they think if I, if we don't make it after Bantam, or if we don't get to junior after that first year of midget, that's it. We're done. Life's over. You know, just go to school and, you know, get the house with the picket fence and marry Bob, who's got a union job and that's the end of it. Or marry Sally, who's, you know, who, who's got her, uh, who's got her 401k, you know, with the company, whatever it might be. And it's, it's interesting, you know, because I, I was like you when I was younger, I knew in high school, I didn't want to go to university. It wasn't for me. I saw the world differently when I was younger. I was asking a lot of weird questions. I was asking my parents when I was four, hey, how, do you, how does a millionaire become a millionaire? You know, that's what I was interested in. And still in, I still am interested in that to this day. And, we're, and it's a long process, I've realized, but not that, not that money's everything, but um, like I, I got more out of self-taught and experience. You know, and that's why people say like, you know, real experience, like real experience podcast, talking to real people, the real experience, because there's a lot of information that's generic and cookie cutter that you get growing up and it doesn't apply to what you're doing. So it's interesting, you know, when, when you get to someone like you who has a couple of years off and you keep that open mind, which is something a lot of athletes and coaches have said on this podcast, keeping that open mind to try something new and you did. And, you know, the, the, the payback has, or the, you know, has been tenfold and who knows how much more you'll get out of it. Cause you're so young, you're a 90, just like myself. And, you know, I, the more I look at people who are successful, they're saying, I thought I was old when I was like in my late twenties, early thirties. And I got to my forties, I realized how young I was, I am now. <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of uh, inner music to still be had. So it's a really exciting process to see. Um, so t- tell me, um, you know, you've been in the NWHL, you've played C-dub uh you know you're in the Russian league um you know tell us about your experiences there I know Russia has been a phenomenal experience for you I've had Brian Adolsky on here earlier you know he's loving uh coaching out there you know he thinks the way the league is being ran is is very professional and it's giving you guys and guys and gals the lifestyle of a professional athlete a professional coach so walk us through these professional years now for yourself
1: Yeah, so my first year uh, professionally, I played for the Buffalo Buttes of the NWHL. And I had a great experience. I had a great experience. I um, uh, I don't, I, so th- my salary was $13,000 for six months for the season and that's public online. So I'm gonna just say that and I, so that was for six months of, of work, you know? So I don't, I wasn't complaining, right? I we lived in a house with five girls from our team. Well, I lived in a house with four others. So there are five of us. It was a fun time. I felt like I was, you know, back, well, I was going to say back in college without the schoolwork, but I had schoolwork because I was doing my (laughs) work from abroad, but I didn't have to go to class. So that was fun. Um, And I was able to experience professional hockey in that way for my first year. And um, no, the opening, the opening day of our, the opening day, the first game, our first home game, we sold it out. So there's all of these fans in the stands, which is crazy. And, you know, I don't know. I had a great experience. I don't have anything bad to say about it. I had a great experience. It was fun. Um, you know, there's all this conflict now about equal, equal pay, everything like that, but that's a whole nother story. I like to take my, my experiences as as positive as I can. And I don't have anything bad to say about the end of it. NWHL I think what they're doing is great I think that they are growing maybe there have been some setbacks but that's business and that's business of sports that's viewership you know there's all these things that go into it that's I don't need to say my opinion I just want to say as a fact I had a great experience in the NWHL and I appreciate it um and then I for the next year I was able to um well I was I entered the CWHL draft because I hadn't I hadn't known about the CWHL and I saw, you know, I saw another opportunity there. I entered draft. I ended up going up and skating um, with Brampton and with Toronto at their free agent camps and was able to play for either. And I ended up uh, choosing Brampton, <coughs> which was good. It was fine. Same thing. So now I had uh, played for a pay in the NWHL, went to the CWHL, and that year they didn't pay the players. So... I, I talked to the coach there and he, you know, he seemed really positive about me and um, I thought I just wanted, I thought that the, the situation on the team might be better than, I'm not saying that I had a bad situation in Buffalo at all. I just, and I played for Brampton for a year. It was fun. It was nice to experience the different league and um, understand, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the structure of the leagues, NWHL and CWHL, two days a week practice, and then games on the weekend, that type of structure. So you still were, you still have, you were able to have another job if you needed, or if you didn't, then you didn't, you know? Um, And then Brampton moved to Markham the next season. And so I was set to play for Brampton again, but I was commuting from Buffalo. So I was still living in Buffalo that year I played for Brampton. And then they moved to Markham, which is another 20 minutes without traffic, or even add another 40 minutes with traffic, trying to get to practice. And at that point, I was working at a, a middle school as a teaching assistant for phys ed. And so I was just tired. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that extra commute, you know, get home at 2 a.m. and then go to work the next day, work a full-time job. And so I asked for a trade to Toronto. And so I, I ended up playing in Toronto that next year. And that was great. I loved Toronto and had such a great experience. And that year is when the CWHL first started playing, paying their players. So that was a good experience. I was involved in that. Um, And so that was, you know, that was my experience in the NWHL and the CWHL. It's, uh, It's already, I've already played two years in Russia. So those years for me are already it feels like forever ago. It feels like forever ago because my life has changed immensely, immensely since I just come to Russia, of course, because I live in Russia. First of all, <laughs> 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 everything changes. If you're going to move up to the other side of the world, you know, um, but yeah, so um, how that happened was I had played one of my teammates and roommate from Buffalo posted on Instagram again instagram social media i don't know (laughs) what the deal is but she posted just on a story who wants to go play overseas and i didn't even want to go play overseas because i wanted to play for toronto again i had a really great experience there and um i just asked her like oh what are you doing i was just interested just like a you know like a friend what are you doing and she was like oh she's like Haley. you'd be great (laughs) you should go play overseas and she's like um she's like, I have an agent and he, you know, this is, we're going to go play in Russia and all this. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to play. I just was wondering what you, what you're doing. And that was uh, Tatiana Rafter. She's, she played here. In Russia. Well, we played on the beach together. And then my first season in Russia, she played here as well. Um, but I went to sleep that night and I woke up the next day and in my email, there was a contract with an offer to go to Russia. And I was like looking at the offer and I was like, There is something (laughs) very weird about this because this is way too good to be true. There's no way, there is no way that this is serious. There's no way. I've never heard of this league in Russia. I've never even, I never even knew Russian girls play hockey, you know, well, I knew, you know, they have the national team, but I didn't know like how big of a market there is for women's hockey in Russia with the Russian Women's Hockey League and Professional Hockey League, which has, was started, I think this season was, the eighth season if i wow. yeah so it's like it's been around for a while you know it's not new and so i'm like okay and so i call my mom i'm like mom and my dad they're there together i'm like but my mom's way more my mom's like me she's like oh yeah we're gonna go yeah do it like right away <laughs> my dad's like hmm you know are you gonna get kidnapped no but uh <laughs> my mom I, I call them and i'm like mom dad i have this offer to go to russia like it's super weird. I'm going to send you the email, forward it to you guys, read it, tell me what you think. And like a day passes and my mom texts me out of the blue and she's like, really, like, I really think you need to go to Russia. (laughs) Like that was my mom. Like (laughs) I didn't have to do any convincing. (laughs) Just send me across the world to Russia. But I'm really, my mom has always been like such a supportive mom, (laughs) no matter what. She's so cool. She's so awesome. My dad was a little bit more hesitant. He was very much like, that's really risky. Like, I don't know. There's like, what if there's like a lot of crime? Like, what if you get kidnapped? What if this happens? What if that happens? And I'm like, you know, like I have this inkling in my gut, like I'm going to go to Russia. And it took me like three, maybe four days to tell them, yes. And that was even as I was already set to go back to Toronto. And I didn't tell um, the administration from Toronto yet that I wasn't going to come back because it was, it happened so quickly. And then, you know, I told them a little bit later and everybody's like, Oh, we want you to come back, but that's awesome. And same, I had the same exact feelings, you know, I wanted to, it was bittersweet for sure. But like the, what they told me, how I was going to live my life, how I was going to play hockey, uh, have a full salary, have an apartment for free, eat team meals for free. Like, and like you said, it's not all about money, but like when you are able to put everything that you have into your passion, how can you turn that down? You know, and throughout all those years, all those, so I was playing three years professionally, or I don't know if somebody would consider it semi-pro if it was not paid in North America. And I had a I I had full-time jobs throughout that the whole time. So now I'm like, well, why not try it? And at that point, I, I had been living in Buffalo, New York, like I said, again, for those three years throughout uh, my professional career there. And I ended up not, I ended up re-signing my lease for Buffalo for another year, knowing that I was going to need to leave in a month because it wasn't what I expected or I don't know. I had no idea. I knew nobody there. Here, I'm in Russia now. I knew nobody here and I knew nothing about it and it's just like the biggest giant risk of my life and I ended up leasing my apartment in Buffalo <laughs> for nobody to live there <laughs> for a year because I just I needed like that little safety net, you know what I mean? But I thought, you know, my apartment here is I don't have to pay for, it, so I, I can do it, you know. So that was good. And um, then I ended up in Russia. So that was kind of you know, my time in, in the NWHL and the CWHL, it was a great time. But for me, it was, I have, it's, it's so long ago, like I said. So, yeah, so I didn't have, you know, I don't have much to say about it besides that. I'm really thankful for the opportunity that gave me to even progress me even further in my professional career, I guess.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I know what you mean, even though it's a few years out, it seems so far removed. And even when I started my hockey club in Ontario, I started in uh, November of 2014 and that's coming up 6 years and I'm thinking like that seems like a, like decades ago like I'm a completely different person than th- then compared to where I am to now every year I've evolved in some sort of way so it's really cool to hear that and it's also very insightful to hear that you know there's a league in Russia for women you know that gives you that pro- professional life, uh, athlete lifestyle Like it's, you know, I have, I have a niece who plays who's, you know, she was a rookie in junior. Um, She, after Bantam, she went to uh, a junior. She's got her commitment to Cornell. And that's one of her aspirations is to play professional hockey after she's done there. She still wants to, she wants to be a, a doctor in biomedical engineering research or something crazy. I don't know. She's, mm-hmm. she's definitely my sister's kid. I'll put it that way <laughs> when it comes to smarts. Um, but that's something that she wants to do. She, you know, we've got one life to live and she wants to do. So it's amazing to hear that, you know, there are so many great options in the other leagues NWHL, is still growing. The C-dub had like a ton of talent, you know, and it was running for a long time. Um, things don't work out. That's that's just life, you know, but you know, North America, I'm sure, you know, uh, as years go on, you know, it's just going to keep getting better and better, but it's so interesting because about this Russian league, because again, you're all the way over halfway across the world, you're living a different lifestyle, you know, different cultures, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's a huge experience in its own to be able to say, Hey, I did that in my lifetime. And again, when you look back, to where you were, what we're talking about, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you'd probably never think that you'd be going through all these experiences. So it's that much more, uh, I guess that much more grateful, I guess you can feel for each one that you've had in that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I can say. That's, that's the best word to describe it. I'm just grateful
0: absolutely what's the uh, let's talk a little bit more about Russia so what it, what are the like the the cultural differences when you're over there uh, the style of the game I know there's a lot of imports and and players from that uh, from Europe as well I uh, just give us a bit of a, a brief description on you know a little the, little differences kind of like in the movie Pulp Fiction when they say what do they call a quarter pounder over there a Royale with cheese so <laughs> <laughs> So what's <laughs> a Big Mac? Well, Big Mac's a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: Yeah. So, well, coming in last year as my, as I had first arrived in Russia, I sat in a car. I, I arrived at the airport, the president of the team and my agent met me there and we get in the car. We were in a taxi and um, my agent speaks Russian and the administration, nobody spoke Russian, uh, nobody spoke English, nobody speaks English, <laughs> which was something that my agent told me before, that was like one of my things that I, it was important to me, that I could communicate when I arrived, and he's like, yeah, like most of the girls speak English, and you know, everything's gonna be okay, I arrive, and nobody spoke English, and that's, I'll tell you about that in a second, but he, I, my, I arrived in Ukta. Ukta. Russia, which is in the Komi Republic, so it's in Russia's high north, central high north, like where there's nothing besides forests, and uh, team asked my agent to ask me <laughs> to translate, what do I think already, like first impression, and my first impression, and I, now looking back in it, my response might have been offensive, because I didn't know, I, I said, I feel like I'm like 100 years in, back in history, in like the older days, like, that's what I said. And I don't know if I was offending, if I offended him. I don't think I did. But it was very, like, right when you arrive, you look around and you're like, whoa, like, this is not, this is not North America. It's like, wow. No, but it's very beautiful. Very big country. Very, uh, a lot of nature. You know, there's trees everywhere. There, So it's it's evident immediately when you arrive that you're in a completely different world. And so... Um, the first day that I arrived, I went to the rink and the girls were practicing and I didn't practice that. I didn't practice for the first couple of days because of jet lag and stuff. And, um, I sat in the locker room. Well, they asked me to introduce myself, say a little bit about myself. And I, I spoke English, my agent translated and I'm like looking around the locker room and I'm like, not one single girl in this locker room understands me. Not one of them spoke English. Not one understands English. And so that was like a huge shock for me. And I was like, how can I, my, cause I, this was my agent left. I didn't have an agent this year. So as I speak of my agent, this was last season. Um, I knew that he was leaving the next day to go back to St. Petersburg where he lives. And he was like my, he was like, I needed to like bring him everywhere with me for those couple of days because I didn't speak any Russian. I didn't. I didn't even know how to say yes. I didn't know how to say hi. I didn't know anything. I just, and so I sat, I literally sat in the locker room as, after I introduced myself and realized nobody understood me and knew he was leaving tomorrow. And I was like, about, to, I almost cried. I was like, how is this even going to be possible? Cause I was there on my own at that point. Um, Tatiana, who came, she came two or three weeks later because she was having problems with her visa. So I was there the only import at that time, nobody spoke English and I thought maybe I have to go home now, <laughs> but <laughs> I stayed and. um, It actually was really great that I had those two weeks as the only import to adjust because I had to do it on my own. You know, I had to figure out how to fit into this culture by myself without um, maybe kind of solidifying ourselves as like a a two people because we can relate more. We can speak to each other. And I'm talking about Tatiana. Um, But I really had to include myself with everybody, even though there was, a complete language barrier 100 percent, nobody understood each other and that's when i um discovered google translate the app on the telephone so (laughs) so that was my that was how i communicated was just i type something on google translate show them then they would type something back and then you realize how uh difficult the russian language is because google translate can't even translate it correctly because of how many different grammatical rules and everything like that and then, um, but when I first watched the girls play at that practice, I thought, because I had never heard of the Russian women's hockey league and I thought I was going to come in and be a superstar like Sidney Crosby or Ale- Alexander Ovechkin. And, um, <laughs> I came and I watched the girls and I was like, whoa, like I was like blown away. I was like, this is not what I expected. And then, so this is when I wasn't going to, um, practice these first couple days because of jet lag. And I watched and then I started getting nervous. I'm like, Oh no. these girls are good (laughs) and so i uh you know there's a thing there's a difference with like from the top two lines to the third or fourth line there is a there is a big drop off in depth when it comes to russian this league as opposed to north american leagues because there's a lot of really young girls a lot of really young 15 years old 16 years old 17 years old a ton in this league the russian school system is much different than um in North America that's something else that I could that's probably you know two way side story to get into but they they have the opportunity to be able to play professional hockey at those ages and i just said opportunity but this is something that also um i kind of it kind of personally affects me because of how i didn't uh value education until i was older if these girls realize that they have these opportunities like they can go play NCAA division 1 hockey in america then I don't think that they would accept a contract for 5,000 rubles. I don't know how much money they make. I'm just saying, like, for example, 5,000 rubles, that's like $75. But 5,000 rubles for the month and lose their – because right now – because they're paid professional athletes. So they immediately lose any chance of being eligible to play NCAA hockey because they've already been paid to play immediately. Boom. 15 years old, know nothing about anything. And they just like, oh, you guys are going to pay me to play? Okay, you know, and, then, and because they don't understand the opportunities that they have. And I'm not saying that the Russian Women's Hockey League isn't an amazing opportunity, but I'm just saying the Russian Women's Hockey League is going to be here. If you want to go get an education and be able to play at a really high level, you can do that, and then you can come back home, and you can play professionally and get paid, you know. And that kind of bothers me a little bit because, because, like I said, there are very, very little uh, people here that speak English so it's 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 hard to explain the opportunity that they have um, you know unless somebody is able to explain to them in Russian like and actually there is um, somebody she's one of my friends she plays for Agadel, which is in my league she's from Czech Republic her name's Elena Mills and she well that's her that's her married name her Czech name is Paula or something I don't know Elena Mills and she is working with this organization called USA Sport and Study, which was uh, founded by another Czech um, athlete. I don't know what sport he played, maybe. I don't even know what sport he played, but he realized the, he realized the, um, the importance of being able to educate these people on what they, their opportunities are when it comes to education and, and being a student-athlete. And she actually started working with them, I don't know, maybe last year, two years ago. And she's the head of the uh, women's hockey department. So I think it's really good because she's fluent in Russian, fluent in Czech, fluent in English. Cause she played in, she played NCAA for Brown. Um, so she, she's very bilingual, uh, trilingual, I guess. And I think it's really good that there's somebody like her that she's able to, if somebody is interested, she can explain, you know, this is the benefit of it. This is, why you probably should look into these options instead of just immediately accepting a salary at 15 years old, you know? So I think it's great to have somebody like her in as like an advocate for these girls, but I don't know if it's going to, I think that there's a lot of convincing that needs to be done when it comes to telling somebody who's 15 years old, not to accept a salary to play hockey. Same as if somebody wants to play juniors, when it's probably a better opportunity for them to play midget right now. It's like that, no, I want to play the top. I'm playing professional hockey, that type of thing. But, yeah, there, there's a big difference there when it comes to um, <clears throat> education and hockey and sport. Um, you know, Russians are very into sport, too. They're very, very competitive people, and uh, it, it it's kind of like a status thing, too. If you're playing professional hockey, like I play professional hockey, you know, so that's a status thing, too. So that's another difference. Um, when it comes to a cultural dis- difference that doesn't have to do with hockey, when you enter um, somebody's house, you immediately take off your shoes. And I know that this is, you know, a very uh, big practice in anywhere in the world. You know, you'll take off your shoes; they're dirty, so you're gonna take them off by the door. But then you, if this is your house, then you have like near you, you have your slippers, you have your sandals, or you have your Crocs, something that you immediately put on. Uh, right there because you walk around and you and they call them tapichki so it's like sandals so if you go to somebody's house and you definitely take off your shoes every time you always take off your shoes take off your shoes right away and they'll say oh you want here's some sandals like they'll give you the sandals like some so that you can borrow them while you're at their while you're at their house for while you're visiting which is like really like i feel that's very russian culture like now i'm like okay every time i'll go take off my shoes when i and i like look oh (laughs) who's going to offer me sandals? (laughs) Um, And then, uh, and then last season or last summer in between my two seasons in Russia, when I came back from Russia to America, like I was just like blown away, reverse culture shock. And one of the things was the fact that I went to my apartment, my friend came over and she didn't take off her shoes and she put her feet on the table. She put her feet up on the table with her shoes on. (laughs) And like a year ago, that wouldn't even have phased me, you know? (laughs)
0: But yeah, so. Oh, that's too far. And then when it
1: comes to, yeah, so that's just a couple cultural c- cultural differences that stand out right away for
0: me. Yeah, it's kind of like the one kid that came uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs this past season, and he said the one thing he didn't like about Toronto there wasn't enough borscht around <laughs> for enough food. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: Blah. laughs> have you tried borscht?
0: Um, I've I've maybe as a kid, my mom's side is, and my mom's like a quarter. Polish, um, and I, I remember. I think as a kid, it was it was made once, but I vaguely remember. I am in into, into soups, though. I'm a big advocate of that, so I probably would like it. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not. My borscht uh, IQ is not as high as maybe yours. So if you could enlighten me just a bit, tell me about your experience with it.
1: <laughs> okay, I never heard of before I came here There's so many things that I had never heard of before. I came here, but it's so it's so good. It's uh, made uh, predominantly out of beets. So it's that maroon color. So it's that you slice up the beets, slice up the beets. There's, I don't really... We did this master class with this master chef and we made borscht, but he put a lot of tomatoes in there and a lot of sugar. And I know there's sugar in there a little bit, but um, I asked my friend who is Russian, um, is that, you know, is that standard? And she said, no, there's not usually that many tomatoes and there's not usually that much sugar, (laughs) but there's like a lemon juice lime juice uh i don't know really how to explain it it's really good and sometimes you'll have chicken in there turkey some sort of steak meat In i don't know it's really good you need to i'll bring a recipe to america north america
0: <laughs> it's just a big bowl of hearty goodness there you <laughs> <really> go <laughs> so you, um where you're it's staying right
1: really it's
0: it's got what broke up there
1: I said it's really healthy the only thing was the sugar I didn't really understand that part but
0: ah gotcha so um, where you're staying now is with a a friend who's also a a teammate as well I'm assuming
1: Uh, she is not a teammate but she plays in St. Petersburg for the other team that plays our Dinamo so she's just a friend throughout through the league yeah
0: okay So how, what is the community like of the league, like in terms of, you know, how far the teams are spread out, you know, the players, um, are they close? Uh, they get to know each other well. Clearly you've been able to make friends outside of the club that you play for, but what is that community like among all the uh, the teams and the players in that league? How many teams are there to be exact? Actually, that's the first good oh, question. Seven. 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 Okay.
1: Where is there eight teams now? No, there's eight teams now that uh, China, entered our league. I'm just going to fact check myself right now because I don't know why I'm forgetting how many teams are in my league. I'm going to check. Yeah, we've got eight now that um, China came to us. So, um, yeah. So, well, before Ch- before uh, China entered our league, myself and Tatiana Rafter last season, we were the only North Americans in the league. And, um, They have other imports, but most of them are from Czech um, Czech or Slovakia. There's really that many imports. And each team is allowed only two, except for China. They have, you know, their whole team is pretty much imports. But um, the teams, I've, well, just from being here, I've realized that the majority of girls know each other somehow, you know, whether it's your friends or your friends of a friend. And then there's... A lot of girls that used to play in the league or played in the, like, I guess it'd be like the farm league for the WHL, like the youth league, you know, uh, that played there. And everybody's really connected through this league. Um, my friends that I have through the league, when we hang out as like a group of friends, it's pretty much everybody that's, that either plays or ha- had played before. So that's how everybody's really connected um, with their community of friends. Through, through hockey. <clears throat> and I think that's pretty similar when it comes to North America too. A lot of my friends that I hung out with there, they're my teammates, you know, so. <clears throat> so that's, yeah. So yeah, a lot of the girls know each other. I think it's not much different than any league. A lot of people know each other in, in leagues. Other that, must leagues.
0: that must have been great. That must been great too, because especially if, as you start to get to know more people, the ones who are bilingual and not just being stuck in a solely Russian speaking club <laughs> probably helps out, uh, uh, makes, makes your social life a lot better when, you know, when you do have those days off.
1: Yeah. Well, so that was another thing because of the fact that, well, there was myself and one other English speaker last season. Um, I actually speak Russian now pretty well. And that was only because of my immersion and I don't really study it. I mean, I'll, I'll hear a word. Maybe if I hear a word 10 times, I'll finally be like, oh, what does this word mean? You know, and I'll ask whoever I'm with. And that's how I'm learning. And that's how I learn. And I, you know, I will I can sit at a, a dinner table and have a full-on Russian conversation with whoever's there. That's my life. I speak Russian all day, every day. I don't speak English. So you can hear me sometimes stumbling over my words too. Sometimes, because I'm like forgetting the English word sometimes. And then sometimes I slip in a little Russian word here and there, but <laughs> that's not on purpose. It's just my brain. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So, so what's the, uh, you know, um, but yeah, what,
1: so that was another huge. Oh,
0: say that again. You broke up there.
1: I was just going to say that's another huge positive thing that came out of it was just to learn, become totally immersed in another culture and learn another language like which I would have never, um, voluntarily or purposely seeked, seeked sought out. Is that a word? Seek. <laughs> it is thought out (laughs) yeah i would have never i would have never thought out you know but now i'm here and i'm like oh wow i love learning russian and i want to learn because i took spanish all my life and i like i said i never cared to study so after i'm completely fluent in russian which i think is not too far away um then i'll probably go back and study spanish i want to learn chinese like it's opened my world and opened up my opportunities to learn it's opened up my world 100 because i'm I'm
0: in another part of the world, you know what I
1: mean? So we're it's in, a bubble, in a bubble
0: in North America. <laughs> Absolutely, well it's amazing what you what, uh, the, uh, hum, humans in general are capable of when they get out of their comfort zone because that's the only way you're gonna grow and it's a saying that I've kind of incorporated into my own you know, daily life is, you know get comfortable being uncomfortable. If I feel comfortable, I'm not doing anything and I'm not gonna get better at anything where if I do something that's uncomfortable, you know, that good things start to happen. I don't know what it is. But when when you start to move towards towards success, success starts coming your way. And that's the thing we talked about earlier, success isn't always just about, you know, money, but you know, things that you've learned how you've made yourself a better person, like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of jealous that you get to speak Russian, because that's one skill that you have over me, right? (laughs) I'm thinking and now and that's the competitive player that I used to be. It's like, okay, someone's got one thing over me now. How can I do that? Um, but it, that's really cool that, that you've had that um, experience and that you want to learn other languages. I think that's a phenomenal, phenomenal skills to have because it opens up your whole world when you can speak a language um, fluently and understand what's going on in, in that country and in their culture. Um, one thing quickly I wanted to, to, before we move on to a couple of things, before we finish off, um, the social aspect uh, you know socially like what what's that like when you have the days off when you're hanging out with teammates uh doing things for fun what's what does that look like in russia for for a professional hockey player
1: uh, well i was actually just last night i was with there were five of us sitting at um, just at my friends we just went over and sat we have the same uh when it comes to the quarantine the shelter in place we have a lot of restrictions here too but so right now everything's closed you can't go to the to a restaurant, you can't go anywhere there. You can just do your essentials and everything. But um, last night we were sitting there and, and the girls were like, where, where is better? America or Russia? And um, I'm American, I love America, and I love um, the lifestyle that you can live in America. Um, when it comes to economy, there's not as much money in Russia as there is in America, as like a, just a standard citizen of the country. So we were sitting there and they're like, no, Haley, tell me honestly, like America is way, way better than Russia, right? Like everybody's not poor like we are. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, like I get, there's differences for sure, but it's, it's the same. It's as much as it's different, it's the same. Like." we're sitting here together the five of us we're sitting around we're talking this is exactly what i would do if i was in america i would you know gather some friends sit around talk as much as it's different it's the same you know everybody we're all people you know we speak russian when we sit together but we we joke around we laugh we smile like it's it's the same you know but i don't know if it was if we weren't in this quarantine lifestyle (coughs) Right now we do the same thing. We go to a restaurant, we'd get food with friends, we go to the movies, we'd go to the mall. It's the same, you know? But it's just uh it's the same and it's different. It's different and it's the same. It's hard to describe. I don't know I don't know how to describe it because because I, think- I live here. It's very normal for me now to live here for two years, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think the what it is is the perception, you know, like the, the US, North America in general. Um, You know, everything is jacked up on steroids when it comes to, you know, publicity, media, movies, houses, you know, big neon signs and fireworks, all that good stuff. You know, the Rocky movies, like uh, there's, you know, there's all like the rags to riches tales. And I think that's what happens is anyone who's not in, in the North American culture is on the outside looking in thinking, oh, you know, the American dream or, you know, to... A lesser extent the lame Canadian dream <laughs> but uh you know I think they, they they go there and it's almost like like a uh, you know anyone who comes in thinks they flick a switch and then you're living that dream and it's not the, the, the that's like a very small there's a 1% everywhere and there's a working class everywhere and there's a po there's a poverty line everywhere And I think that's what has to be is just the way you said that just educational part, like how you mentioned those girls who sign those pro contracts, you know, when they could go to the NCAA, they are good enough, but they're just not aware. Just like how a a 15, 16 year old girl here who has aspirations of going to play professional hockey, but in North America right now, the only viable option is to play and also work your job or continue to go to school where you can actually live that professional lifestyle that that we have in our vision that we perceive as reality here in north america but that is available over in russia but when you think about russia what do you think about i don't know what the known is they're kind of to themselves it's so far away they they they're they're a a mega power of their own but there's also you know other parts of that that we perceive not to be like you said when you first got there this looks like a hundred years in the past you know it's 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 so you're right it does go hand in hand it, it's i'm learning a lot just from hearing about it from you actually this is really this is really cool to you know see it from both sides of the fence now and now we just got to pick a side because mm-hmm. we can't stay on this fence. i'll stay here for now but I'll, I'll make sure to come watch uh you and your teammates play next uh next season we're rocket fire because uh, i don't Sorry. like watching i don't <laughs> like watching the nhl anymore it's too boring um so t- so let's um you know we're running a little out of time here um i want to know what's uh what does your future look right now for you in the next couple of years? What, what do you want to accomplish with continuing to play pro? Um, is there any kind of exit strategy for when you, you are done with your playing days? I imagine, you know, you still want to keep going for as long as you can. But uh, what goes through your mind right now uh, when you're playing professionally?
1: So here's a, just quick. This is another big cultural difference because I'm going to be 30 and I'm June 3rd. I'll be 30 already. So
0: it's okay. Um, May 2nd, I'll be 30. So I beat you to it. Oh. There's one thing I got over you a month and a day older.
1: Um, and it, when people find out, they're like, Haley, aren't you gonna, don't you need to have babies? And I'm like, well, yeah, probably. But I feel so young. Like I feel so young. I just, I feel like I can play for five more years at least. So then I'll be 35. You know, I do think of this timeline when it comes to like having a family, I do think of this. It does affect me and what I think, but my mom had me when she was 37. So that's like my, I'm like, I have so much time. And so, uh, I, yeah, so I think, I think I'll continue to kind of the person that I am, I guess. I just, you know, if I find another opportunity that's better, I'm going to go for it. But right now, this is my best opportunity. And like I said, the lifestyle is great. I love it here. And um, <clears throat> in addition to that, I have been able to start my own hockey uh, training academy hockey development business i guess i don't know you know you can call it what you want but so now i have started like i said earlier on the podcast um i have set to go in june and july a couple camps in buffalo and toronto but don't know if they're they're gonna happen but because of my lifestyle being able to really focus completely on hockey i've been able to um really study the game really study off ice training and and start start a business which if I was working in America then I would be playing professionally working a full-time job so that I can uh, pay my bills and then try to start a business and it's probably not going to be as <laughs> easy to do all of those things but now my whole my whole focus is playing hockey so I put a lot a lot of time into my business even though it's just in the first year um, but That's what I'm trying to do. So as I continue to play here, I'm really trying to grow my business while I'm here so that when I do come back or wherever I end up, that's already um, flowing well enough to be able to maintain a lifestyle, I guess, or uh, take care of myself, pay my bills at least.
0: (laughs) well it's great to hear that you got a lot of different things on the go and you're thinking you're thinking ahead right because that means you're thinking bigger picture i actually had a another friend of mine who came on the show cody creighton who said when he was playing in europe he was uh 26 27 years old and same questions the the guys there, like oh don't you need to get a family started and go back to north america maybe that was a nice way of them saying hey can you get can you get off our team but um he was saying you know he was like no i'm gonna be eight, 10 more years, you know, and he just thought he was going to play forever. And then he played a couple more and he said, yeah, I'm good now. I can make my transition. And uh, he was doing some stuff with myself and OHC and now he's a full time skill developer in Toronto and he loves it. And he still go, he still does some schooling and all that stuff. So it's cool to see when you're in this stage, you know, you still have the passion and the fire, um, you know the passion, the fire that you thought maybe over a decade ago that you wouldn't have had for this sport anymore, and now you're able to give it back through the you know your virtual community, you know the camps that you're going to be running and continue to run moving forward and playing pro. I think your whole setup is, you know, I think you're bulletproofing uh, the you know the next uh, stages of your life. It's it's really uh, cool to see. It's really inspirational. Uh, here now, here's my final question. I ask it to everyone on the show, um, where you got to go a bit deeper. And think and, you know, get real talk with yourself now. But it's not that scary. Don't worry. <laughs> um, if the 16-year-old version of you it was is sitting across the table from you right now in 2020, what advice would you give to her so she has the best opportunity and the best mindset moving forward? It's like you're in Back to the Future, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is the... This is a tough question for me because I already shared my story with you. And as you can hear, there were a lot of um, what somebody could call failures. Um,
0: Failure is just testing, so it's all good.
1: Yeah. So I would like to say that I would tell my 16-year-old self to really actually care about your academics because and that's actually what I would tell myself. I need to, you know, I need to apply myself academically as much as I apply myself athletically. That is so important. And, but if I would've done that, <laughs> I would've played four years of college hockey and then been done and then been in my career. So I'd probably tell myself, don't go to school. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I would, I would just really instill in myself the value of education. That's really what it would be. And uh, I guess, you know, managing your time and being able to do both, excel at both. I've always been, you know, an athlete. That's, that's what I am. But now being able to, I just love, like I'm in the middle of five different courses that I myself go, Oh, what do I want to learn now? And I go on there and I go purchase the course. Okay. And we're going to do the course just because I want to be more knowledgeable. I want to be able to be better. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better coach and I want to be A better hockey player. I want to just be the best that I can be in everything that I do, not just not just athletics. Apply but yourself. Apply but yourself as much as you do in your sports, in your school, in your schooling. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. And to sum it up again: timing, maturity, support been the theme kind of all of your experiences going here, Haley. I'm so uh, so privileged to have talked to you and have had this great conversation. We went pretty well an hour and a half, which is awesome. One of the longer episodes we have. And uh I, I can't thank you enough for being here. And I there's so much more going in my think tank right now where I'm like, I have to find out more about this whole, you know, dynasty journey that you've been on, this process. This has been fantastic. So we'll definitely have to pull you in for and get micro with some of the other things that you've had experience in. But thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Sounds good. No, thanks for having me. I'm happy to share my story and hopefully it can help somebody along the way or maybe just a little bit of entertainment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Knowledge and entertainment. We're getting the best of both worlds. This is Scott McDonald with the Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast, signing out.